0: It's the TGIF, Labor Day edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. The Green Bay Packers, they got the roster down to 53. They've also filled out the 16-man practice squad. We'll take a peek at that. The Brewers go out west and handle their business against the Giants. The Badgers are a part of one of the biggest weekends in college football as far as kicking a season off one can remember. And at the end of today's podcast, I'm going to tell you why. A leadership position in the NFL where the leader is making the correct call, but that correct call may cost that person their position. We'll get to it all next. It's the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Soul Boxer. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Hi, welcome in. As I said earlier, this is the Labor Day edition, a TGIF edition of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Soul Boxer. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you for joining us, whether you're doing so on Google, on Spotify, on Apple, whatever the platform is. Thanks for checking in and also please, if you would, hit that subscribe button down below or off on the side or wherever it is on your tablet, on your computer, on your phone, wherever it may be, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for us. We would greatly appreciate it. Before we get going today, as we always do, we thank Soul Boxer, our presenting sponsor, crafting and bottling bartender quality cocktails you can enjoy anywhere. The bourbon old-fashioned, the brandy old-fashioned, the Manhattan, all crafted to remain true to their supper club origins. Find Soul Boxer wherever you pick up your favorite livations, and this would be a good week to stock up on some soul boxers. We've got that three-day extended weekend with Labor Day coming on Monday. So the Packers this week got their roster down to 53, and of all of the names, the Kurt Bankerts and others, the Equinemius St. Browns that we find that were released by the Pack, probably the biggest name, unlike if you're in New England where they get rid of Cam Newton. The biggest name for the Packers is the fact that they released J.K. Scott, put him on waivers, the former fifth-round pick and former All-American from Alabama. We said going into last week's final preseason game against Buffalo, J.K. Scott was going to have to do something because he has, unfortunately, not lived up to the billing of a fifth-round draft choice, especially when it comes to punting. Punters for lack of a better way of saying it, are almost a dime a dozen, because most teams will either acquire a punter very late in the draft or they'll pick one up during free agency. The Packers chose to use a fifth-round pick that year on J.K. Scott, feeling that he could help change the field. And let's face it, if you can help change the field and your defense can hold and you give somebody like Aaron Rodgers a short field then to operate with, you've greatly increased your chance of scoring. Unfortunately, J.K. Scott never lived up to the billing, only averaging roughly 39. I think it's 39 and change yards in his career with Green Bay, so it was time to call it quits with J.K. Scott. They went ahead then, after releasing, picking up Corey Bajorquez. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Corey comes from the Rams, and so Corey now will be in charge of the punting duties, for the Green Bay Packers. Now, the other thing that we have to look at with Corey is how quickly can he establish a relationship with Mason Crosby because it will be his responsibility to do the placeholding on field goals and extra points. So there's actually more going on here than just the punting. We're going to have to see if Corey can step in and immediately build a little chemistry with Mason Crosby because – Obviously, field goals and extra points become vastly important. Now, the Packers also filled out their 16-man practice squad. Kurt Bankert, who was potentially the number three quarterback, had they gone with three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster, finds himself on the practice squad. Equinemius St. Brown, who was released by the Packers, finds himself back on the practice squad. Good to see. And as the linemen go, it was good, at least from a homer standpoint, to see somebody like Cole Van Lanen able to sign with the practice squad. I thought Cole had a better opportunity to make the 53-man roster than most. But then again, I may have been watching his tape through red and white glasses being a Wisconsin homer. But I'm glad to see Cole Van Lanen on the practice squad. So those are just a couple of the names that make up the 16-man practice squad. The other one for me that I found fascinating was J.J. Molson. J.J. Molson is a kicker who signs, again, to be a part of the 16-team practice squad. And J.J. Molson will do one of two things. One, he provides support for Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby's starting to get a little up there as far as the years goes in football terms. So now you've got at least somebody already in camp working out with your team in case something were to go wrong. And let's hope nothing goes wrong with Mason Crosby because he has been one of the most consistent kickers in all of the NFL. But it also relieves Mason Crosby of any extra duties when you're working special teams during practice. This is where somebody like J.J. Molson can step in and do those practice duties with the scout team and essentially then save the leg of somebody like Mason Crosby because, again, as you start getting up in years, you don't want to see these little nagging-type injuries affect what you're doing in game-time situations. So it's interesting when you work your way through the number of guards, the number of uh, wide receivers and running backs and so forth that were kept just in case. And obviously, they'll provide support to the team running, scout team, and all of the other things that happen. But some of those positions, to me, are a little bit interesting because you have to feel as if the Packers are questioning or not whether the persons that they've listed on their 53-man roster will be healthy or remain healthy, and then you've got quick plug-ins. The other thing, real quick, on the Green Bay Packers is David Bakhtiari was put on the pup list, which means we won't see David back onto the field at least until Game 7 of this season. So the Packers, who once had this unbelievable offensive line, is going to need to do a little patchwork here. You've got some young guys who are going to have to step in. You've got some young guys that are switching positions, moving from guard to tackle. They're going to have to do and learn quickly. Otherwise, they're going to have the wrath of last year's MVP all over them If they don't get what they need to get done moving into week one. So the pack open up against New Orleans. And now with the hurricane that occurred down in the Gulf Coast. That game has been moved to Jacksonville. So it'll still be pack and Saints in week one. But they'll be headed to Jacksonville to play that game. We'll continue as we now get closer to week one of the NFL. We're just under a week away. And we'll get to that next week week. Monday as we start prepping for the kickoff in what should be an exciting NFL season, especially now like we've been seeing already with college football. The fan base will be coming back in and it just adds some some more to what we saw last year. It was great that football got to play last year, don't get me wrong, but now that we're putting fans back in the mix, it'll just, it'll just make life that much better. On the other side of the break, The Brewers go out west, they have a tough four-game series against the Giants, and they sure didn't make it look that way. Let's talk some Brewer baseball right after this. All right, so what can we continue to say about this Milwaukee Brewer Club as they headed out west to take on the San Francisco Giants? And the San Francisco Giants are not trying to mail anything in because they're in a heated battle right now with the Los Angeles Dodgers for who will win their division. One of those teams, either the Giants or the Dodgers, are going to end up in the wild card and have that one game playoff. So the Giants are still in the midst of a battle and it will be an interesting series this weekend between the Giants and the Dodgers as they continue to continually duke it out for first place. So the Brewers roll in and if we remember back when the Giants were here for the series at American Family Field, there were a couple of bounces that went the wrong way, a couple of tough losses. The Brewers lose the series to the Giants and a bounce here, a bounce there, and it could have been completely flipped. It didn't happen that way out in San Francisco, and the Brewers made sure of it, taking three of four from the Giants and now sit at 82 and 53 on the year. And what's more miraculous is the fact that they're 46 and 24, 22 games over 500 on the road. And that says a lot about our major league team here in the city of Milwaukee. And that's, I think, why more and more people are starting to continually gain confidence in this Milwaukee Brewer team because once the postseason begins, you're not fretting going on the road. Matter of fact, they have a better away record than they do at home. So home field advantage in any sport is important. But when it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers, you're not concerned at least for when they go on the road. A couple of things snapped. They had a four-game winning streak snapped yesterday as they lost to the Giants five to one. Christian Yelich had a 10-game hitting streak snapped. And what I find amazing is that for many, at least here in the 4-1-4, who were on Christian Yelich. When he was struggling, the man was in the middle of a 10-game hitting streak. He's gotten his average up to two fifty-eight. It has been slowly climbing kind of up to where we expected Christian Yelich to be at the beginning of the year. But after such a, a rough start, it's taken a while to get that average up to where people are going, oh, yeah, he's, he's doing fine, and he is right now. The bat has really started to come around, and you mix that with the others on this roster who have come off the injured list like Willie Adamas, who continue to hit. And somebody on Fox Sports the other night watching this series, and and can I tell you, I am glad they're back home off of the West Coast. I don't know how somebody like the franchise Tim Allen at WSSP here in Milwaukee, 12.50 a.m., the fan, does it on those nights where you're doing post-game Brewer work after a West Coast game. That was hard to stay up and watch. Another sheer sign of age on my part. But the Brewers, again, win the series, take three of four. Now, as I was getting to in watching Fox Sports coverage of, I think it was the second game of this four-game tilt, the nice thing is that now the national media is starting slowly to come on board. ESPN is still taking a while. But at least at Fox Sports, you're starting to hear the national media talk more and more about the Milwaukee Brewers. And one of the things that I found interesting, at least you knew somebody had done their homework, is from the offensive side of things for the Brewers. They were talking about on nights when a Christian Yelich wasn't hitting, it was a Lorenzo Cain that came in or a Willie Adamas. In other words, there is not one particular player who's carrying the load. That hasn't been the case for the Brewers. There have been times in the past when one or two guys were in a slump, the whole team was in a slump, and the offensive production showed. And now the opposite has happened. We are finding balance from the number one hitter down to the number eight hitter. I'm not going to include the pitcher. We'll go to the number eight hitter. And we're starting to see that balance, and it's that balance that has helped propel the Brewers to first place to have one of the best records in all of baseball and to be one of those teams that many now are starting to put their finger on that could be the team to beat if you want to put a World Series ring on your finger. So now the Brewers are back home. They'll take on the St. Louis Cardinals, and the thing to watch tonight now is Freddie Peralta will come off the IL, and he will get the ball in opening this three-game series against the St. St. Louis Cardinals. Peralta goes on the IL, and when he went on the IL, he had nine and three record, just uh, about just under two fifty on the ERA, two forty five to be exact. So now, if Peralta can regain his form coming off the IL, and now you've got that three man rotation again. Once you get to the playoffs, if everybody's healthy, oh, this this is. This is starting to be we somebody needs to bring an astronomer in here because I think the planets are all lining up for us here in the 414 after coming off of that NBA championship to now see our Milwaukee Brewers have an opportunity to make a deep run, if not a World Series championship. Life is good. If you're a sports fan here in Milwaukee, if you're a sports fan here in the state of Wisconsin, or if you live elsewhere, but you follow these teams, you have to really enjoy this ride because it doesn't happen too often. So again, Brewers three-game series at home against the Cardinals. Freddie Peralta will take the ball tonight for the Brew crew. On the other side of this short break, college football has kicked off and is kicking off with one of the biggest weekends to start a season that I can remember in a long, long time, and the Badgers are a part of it. We'll talk about it coming up next All right, so the badgers will take the field as they open up their 2021-22 campaign. They'll do so Saturday, national TV, the Fox Sports early game, the big kickoff is they'll play Penn State and open things up. And obviously, everybody and their brother wants to know, can Graham Mertz recapture that magic that he showed in week one last year against Illinois before coming down with COVID? And then obviously, the rest of the team with their COVID issues and the COVID issues that happened all across the country. So there are a lot of storylines To be had, whether we're talking about the Badgers, whether we're talking about Penn State, Ohio State takes down Minnesota last night. It looks like Ohio State, even with a novice, shall we say, quarterback at the helm. But when you're Ohio State right now, if you're in the Big Ten, it's Ohio State. You have to beat Ohio State. Ohio State from top to bottom is just stacked with athletic individuals at every single position. They just are, and as much as it pains me to say not being an Ohio State fan and being a Badger fan, the road to the Final Four, the road to a Big Ten championship is still going through Ohio State. Minnesota played Ohio State tough in the first half. There are a lot of teams that play Ohio State tough in the first half, but then athleticism takes over, and the athletic ability on that Ohio State Buckeye team is is bar none the best in the Big Ten. And they just wear you down. And if you make a mistake, suddenly you've got guys going for 40, 50, 60 yards for a touchdown in the blink of an eye when you can't afford to do that. And that's what seemingly happens with many teams in the Big Ten. They can run with Ohio State for a half. But then in that second half, the athleticism is so deep on that Buckeye team They just seem to outwear you. So it was a good game to kick things off. It's great to see the level of competition taking place in week one. So tonight you get a game like North Carolina and Virginia Tech. North Carolina, a preseason top 10 team. You get Michigan State and Northwestern. I mean, you go right down the list, the number of quality games. Well, I shouldn't say quality games. Visible games, games between preseason ranked opponents is an OMG kind of a weekend. You get Alabama against against Miami, a one against a 14. We talked about Penn State and Wisconsin. I mean, you just go right down the list. The number of games being played this weekend that are of note, especially Georgia and Clemson, there hasn't been a kickoff like this in a long, long time. Now for the Badgers... Like a lot of teams, you got a lot of guys who came back for what we call that COVID year. you got a lot of six-year seniors, and that should help Graham Mertz tremendously to have a full complement of offensive weapons now starting the season off, something Graham did not have last year, and he had to make do with what was there. And now you've got some of these guys like Danny Davis who've come back for that sixth year who are outstanding athletic, he says that five times fast, individuals on the the wings, on the corners that can stretch things out vertically, which can only help then your running game, it should be a good way to kick things off if you're a Wisconsin Badger fan. Now, the problem is going to be this. Either the Badgers or Penn State, one of these teams obviously is going to lose. Whoever loses this contest has pretty much erased any opportunity to get a shot at a Final Four berth, even if they win the Big Ten. Week one this year is a must. You're not playing Ball State. You're not playing Central Michigan. You're playing a Big Ten opponent of quality. So in order to maintain an opportunity to get to the Final Four at the end of the year, week one is... Is Almost a must now this then becomes the argument as to why it should at least be expanded to eight looks like it will go to 12 Some teams in the beginning of the year are not the same as where they are at the end of the year Some teams might have a loss or two at the end of the year that are playing some unbelievable football But won't get a head nod whatsoever because they have two losses on their resume So this week under the current circumstances becomes a must-win for the Wisconsin Badgers. That game on Fox, it's the early game, so make sure you check that out. To wrap things up here on this Labor Day weekend, I'm going to tell you why a team to our south, why their leader, who I think is making the right choice in making that right choice, may end up losing his job. And we'll talk about it in just a sec. All right, welcome back in. Last segment here on this Labor Day weekend. And as we wrap things up on today's podcast, there is something happening to our friends to the south down in Chicago that I think will go down later on in history as one of the great leadership moves on a team that I am never have been a fan of with the exception of maybe one or two players. I mean, back in the day, I used to love Walter Payton thought he was unbelievable to watch as an athlete. Didn't like the fact that he was on the Bears being a Packer fan, but so be it. But right now the discussion, and I love Chicago radio, just because when it comes to sport talk, some of the outlandish things that get said in the immediacy of things it is it's entertaining. I mean, it's it's very entertaining to listen to Chicago fans go off the deep end, seemingly over every little decision that is made. And in this case, we're talking about the Chicago Bears. So Matt Nagy essentially has said that Andy Dalton will be his week one starting quarterback. Justin Fields had a remarkable preseason. He looked really good. Justin Fields, as a Packer fan, I'm nervous about because Justin Fields shows a ton of promise moving forward. But Justin Fields isn't ready yet, and Matt Nagy has said so. And there are those, and when you listen to Chicago Radio, there are those that are saying, well, it's because on Instagram and on uh, Twitter and whatever other social media networks, you know, Matt Nagy pretty much promised Andy Dalton he would be the starting quarterback. Guys, this is not high school. This is not a pickup game in the backyard. This is not your Monday night softball league where you go out for beers afterwards, where you try to get a really, really talented player to join your softball team and say, listen, if you'll come, you will play. You'll play shortstop. You can play the whole middle of the infield if you want. We just need you on the team. This is professional football. This is a business. This is where people lose their jobs over decisions that are made in Epley. So Matt Nagy's watching Justin Fields and all of the talent that he brings, but he also knows what it takes for a starting quarterback to survive in the NFL. The Bears do not have much of an offensive line. And there have been times in the preseason, and I'll give you an example here in a moment, when Justin Fields hasn't necessarily made the adjustment or made the correct call. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, Justin Fields almost had his head taken off on a play where he rolled to his left and the defensive end came in and just Put him into next week. And Bears fans understandably took a collective breath. When you watch the tape and when you listen to analysis by others who've played at that level, Justin Fields did not rotate the protection the way it should have been, which would have prevented the hit that he took. He didn't see it. Those things, though, will come with time. But as of right now, He didn't see it, and he didn't see it against a bunch of second and third stringers. Week one, they got to play the L.A. Rams. Week one now, the defensive unit for the Rams is scheming for the Bears. And if Justin Fields missed it in a preseason game against second and third string, you have a feeling he's going to miss it against an Aaron Donald-led defense. So Matt Nagy is saying, listen, I'm not putting this kid out there yet. I know what the public wants. I know what sports talk is demanding. I know what the national media said, but I watch this kid every day in practice. And one minute, he's dazzling me with his athleticism. And the next minute, I'm taking a deep breath because he's only a rookie and he's missing certain things. I'm not about to expose him there yet. Also, you have an offensive line that's a bit of a sieve. You're putting the future of your franchise in jeopardy. Now some people will say, well, why don't you look at the New England Patriots? Bill Belichick is throwing their rookie quarterback out there, but look at the New England Patriots from top to bottom. This is a much different ball club than last year. The New England Patriots had a lot of guys who opted out last year. A lot of guys who opted out due to COVID. And many of them are back. And Bill Belichick has retooled this team. So... You can put a rookie quarterback up under center, and you're surrounded by veterans. You're surrounded by guys who have played this game. You're surrounded by guys that, quite honestly, the New England Patriots look to have a really, really good year, even with a rookie quarterback, which is why they got rid of Cam Newton. The Bears aren't there yet. The Bears on paper are not there yet. Defensively, they might be, but offensively, they're not there yet. And Matt Nagy is not willing to put the future of the franchise in jeopardy. Unfortunately for Matt Nagy, that decision may cost him his job. When you talk about leadership being lonely, when you talk about it being lonely at the top, this is a prime example. Matt Nagy is making a decision for the future of a franchise that he might not be a part of. Which is why I'm saying in years to come, whoever takes over that team, if Matt Nagy were to be fired, whoever takes over that team needs to look back, shake his hand, and praise this decision moving forward. I'm not saying this as a, Packer, as a Packer fan. Put Justin Fields out there. Put him out there. Because it won't necessarily turn out, I think, the way many people anticipate. You go ahead and put him out there. Unfortunately, I think the young man would get destroyed against the likes of the Los Angeles Rams. So Matt Nagy, understanding all of that, is saying, you know what? I, I, need, I need my guy to learn a little bit more before I put him out there. That could be week five. It could be week six. Who knows? but he needs a little bit of time, a little bit of seasoning yet before I throw him to the Wolves. And unfortunately, again for Matt Nagy, that decision, which is probably the best decision, may cost him his job. All right, have yourself a wonderful extended weekend. Be safe. Come back to us on Monday, and we'll keep talking about as we amp up our way towards week one of the NFL, and we'll also recap what took place over the weekend with the Wisconsin Badgers and the Milwaukee Brewers. Be safe. I'm Don Wachillas. Take care, everybody.